0: Hey, y'all, this is Twyla, and uh, I think we do have Sarah on the line, so I just wanted to make sure we got that going. This is Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond Interview Series, and uh, we have Miss Sarah Shiloh Ray as our guest today, and you just heard two fine selections from uh, Miss Sarah Shiloh Ray and Bluebird Junction. We started with Paper Piano, followed by 15 Spirits, both of them from her self-titled album, at, from Bluebird Junction. And I want to welcome you, Miss Sarah. You there? Hey, Twyla. I'm here. <laughs> okay, hey. cool. Yay. Yay. Colin from. So nice uh, to meet you. S- pardon?
1: It's so great to meet you.
0: Awesome. Likewise. Uh, we've been kind of in touch, and, and you know how much I dig this new album, and I'm so excited to share it with our listeners. And uh, wow, that's great to it's it's just such a stellar work. Uh, Colin from uh, Santa Inez, right?
1: Yes, California.
0: Virginia's California. that's right. Very cool. Uh and thank you for uh Alex, it's like ten AM there. So uh, some folks on ten AM on a Sunday don't work so well. But <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: we're we're farmers out here, so we wake up we wake up pretty early. We got goats and we got cows and stuff to tend to.
0: So You have goats and cows. Early. I thought I we saw do. some of that we Instagram. Can. Uh that's like that's really cool. We can uh get into that in a minute. That's uh that's yeah. <laughs>
1: I just have to tell you before, I'm yes. sure you get this all the time, but you have literally the coolest name I've ever heard. I can't <laughs> stop saying it. I, it's like Twilight <laughs> Twain. I just want to like keep saying it over and over. <laughs> you probably get that a lot, but it, it needs to be said just it's, again.
0: <laughs> too funny. Uh, yeah, occasionally. Something like, uh, that's a pretty cool name. <laughs> it uh, it kind of sticks, don't it?
1: <laughs> it really does. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Well, uh, speaking of names, uh, as Sarah Shiloh Ray, I understand that's mm. kind of a, a turn on Sarah Hershkovitz. Yes. And uh, yeah. as Sarah Hershkowitz, you, won, or you were nominated for the 2020 Singer of the Year in a German magazine.
1: Mm. And mm.
0: You've had, you have also performed as a guest soloist with orchestras, right, with mm. the BBC Scottish Symphony, L.A. Philharmonic, Detroit mm. Symphony, and uh, theater on der did I get that correct? You sure did. And that is the other side of you, which is mm-hmm. an opera singer. That's right. Um, you know, I was joined, uh, just pulled in immediately and struck by the purity and control of your voice. And then when I learned a little, like mm-hmm. duh, of course you're going to have control of voice. Yeah, um, well, tell us about those two worlds, opera and folk. You know. What were the origins well, of both, your transition, yeah. how they seemingly disparate genres work
1: together? Happily. Um, so I started life, um, I come from a folk music family. I come from, my parents loved bluegrass. That's what we heard growing up. My mother was a big fan of the seldom scene. I grew up on Alison Krauss and mm-hmm. um, and American folk music. <clears throat> we lived in North Carolina for a time as well, although we're from L.A. originally, and I started life as a, as a baby singer songwriter. So, I, as a 10, 11 year old, I took my guitar out on the Venice Boardwalk and put out a hat and did like covers by Carol King and James Taylor and uh. all sorts of stuff. Uh-huh. And later I discovered so, so we weren't a classical uh, family, we were kind of a folk family. Um, and later I discovered opera. And once, like in my teens, and once I discovered that, it, it it kind of swallowed me whole, or maybe I swallowed it whole. But I, I basically chose that direction, and I made a life as an opera singer. I moved to Germany after after college, and I had a life of living out of suitcases and singing a very different kind of music than um, Americana, alt country, folk. So I was singing stuff. Um, it's called twelve tone music. So it's to the ear, it sounds really dissonant, and it's using a whole other tonal system. It's about as far away from folk as you can possibly get. <laughs> and that was my life for for most of my adult life until the pandemic hit. Um, but I kind of always had this like secret identity on the inside as a as a songwriter that I didn't share with too many people. And when I'd get to my hotel rooms, that I'd be singing, you know, in, in Germany and the Netherlands. I'd get to my hotel room. And the first thing I'd do would be to put on like Alison Krauss or Tom Waits or uh, yeah. it's like you know like those like you have your comfort food. I had my comfort music sure. like when you're lonely or uh-huh. scared. That was what I'd put on. And it took it took a pandemic uh, to really put me back in touch with my deepest roots as a, as a singer and, and and as a an artist as a writer because all the work got uh, blown away
0: uh-huh. by
1: COVID. And I was stranded. I was supposed to be singing in France. And I had just met this banjo player. We'd had like two dates, and <laughs> and uh, and here we were. I was stranded on the other side of the world from him. And he said, "You know, why don't we just you know keep our spirits up? Why don't we let's record some covers together?" He sent me this ancient version of Garage Band, and he sent me a microphone from Santina's California to France, where I was stuck. <laughs> And we started putting some songs together. Just, just some cover. We did we did some Gillian Welch covers. And we did a Dylan cover. Um, we did uh, eventually we did Blue Kentucky Girl. Um, we just did music that that was joyful to us and that we loved. And we found these guys, these amazing guys: um, Alex Hargraves on fiddle and uh, Jake Jolliffe on mandolin, uh, uh, Chad Cromwell uh, on drums. We found these guys who who recorded. With us, and we sent the files all over, and we posted the stuff online, and our friends and family got excited and said, "You guys have to keep doing this." Uh-huh. So we did. But it, initially, it was really just to keep our own spirits up because what, what the hell else are you going to do when you're stuck in your house? Yeah. And 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 finally, it was really like, oh, this is who I've always been, and uh, not that opera isn't who I'm also. It's it's I th- I feel like we're entering a. The post-COVID time of music, where the idea of genre um, being strictly segregated is is kind of crumbling a little, and I think really, if you can deliver something with authenticity and heart, I think people's ears and hearts are open to that. That's been my experience so far. So even though it sounds real weird,
0: I love know, that idea.
1: <laughs> I would. <Yeah.
0: clears throat> I don't know how that would work in the in the industry, <laughs> you know, because everybody wants yeah. to put somebody in a box. But that's so beautifully said. Right. And i I would like to think that there has been shifts. I know there has been shifts uh, since mm-hmm. COVID. And I've been saying this for a couple of years. Like, I hope I can stay around long enough to see what what the fallout is. Like, what will be changed? Mm-hmm. Will those well, people just sing from their heart, and and wherever it lands, in people's ears, and wherever the industry wants, whatever box the industry wants mm-hmm. to put them in, you right? Know, is that what you're saying? Right. Kind of that you just just do your thing.
1: I it is, and and again, and I can't, you know, it's you're you're not wrong. I mean, it, we are in a time where it it is all so important of, of of industry folks wanting to put you in a box and and have it be something easy to sell, but I, I do still think there's enough human beings out there who really just want something that touches them. I mm-hmm. really do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I'm finding that those people are showing up and those people are getting in touch with us and saying, Hey, your music really resonates and what you do resonates the way you write resonates. And so uh, it it gives me just enough faith to go, you know what, keep going. You're going to find your, you, you know, you are finding your fans and your audience, even if you're not an easy person to put in the box, you're not an easy person to slap a label on. Um, I try to show up and do everything I do with authenticity and with uh, with sincerity. Does that make sense? And oh, very much the so. rest is, you know, is uh, the rest is I uh, you know, out of your control sorta,
0: yeah, and it's it's gravy for us listeners because we get to hear. Uh, well you you kind of brought up the point that I wanted to ask about Uh, what a well balanced production with the players like the instrumentalists I have to give you props for that because many times uh, a strong vocalist their album will be well the vocals are the focus and the not really you don't really hear a lot of like great players you know if you go in and do session players they just kind of do their piece but in this work uh, your it's your debut album, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the the players you get, you just let them shine and play, and oh, that cello, in um, where's that at? There's just so many. Oh, yeah. There's something in oh, everything yeah. from it's the mandolin the to the cello. Yeah. They just, and and was that by chance by choice?
1: Oh, I mean, kind of both. I mean, definitely by choice, but we kind of just lucked out in finding these guys. And that's really, I have to give my, uh, my partner, Max Fitzel credit for this. Cause he really found these incredible musicians and really has the ear, um, as a, you know, he's my, um, Max Fitzel, who's my co-writer and my fiance and my, my head bluebird in bluebird. <laughs> um, he, he really put together this band and, for us, you know, we these are all stars in their own right. I mean, we have Miles Flanik on bass. We've got Mike Robinson on Pedal Steel, who was just touring with Sarah Gerose. Uh. Um, we've got uh, uh, Alex Hargraves, who uh, toured with Casey Musgraves and was just on Jimmy Kimmel with uh, Billy Strings. Chad Cromwell on drums, who has toured with Willie Nelson and Bonnie Raitt, um, and just Ed Leanne Rimes. Uh. But these guys are all these guys are all stars they deserve. And so I, it was important to us in the recording process. We really wanted everyone's input. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, we had, a, I mean, the songs are finished and written, but it was like, Hey guys, we want you to, to, you're all brilliant at what you do. So, so like, you know, jump on in and tell us if you have an idea, we just want, we want this, the song to be the best that it can be. And, that we were able to create that atmosphere a really collaborative
0: atmosphere that made it so much fun it's it it sounds like a collaborative work it's mm-hmm. well done there that that just very really, very much comes out and uh for okay. someone who appreciates both uh the musicality and instrumentation of work as well as vocalists it's just really made me happy to hear it Oh, that's wonderful here. <laughs> um, Speaking of, uh, well, I want to kind of dive into the songwriting just a bit in that mm. uh, I found, oh, I don't know, kind of a, I wouldn't say, how would you put thematically, is there a theme to your debut album? Let's start
1: with that. Mm. Wow. If there is a theme, I would say... I I would say that I primarily think of myself first as a as a writer in a certain way, even though I've devoted my life to singing. Um, But the process for me is very much words is very much text first, and and the tune comes later. Mm -hmm. And I would say occasionally there's something autobiographical, but I'm really not an autobiographical writer. I'm a storyteller, and I make characters huh. and so if i I get ideas for characters everywhere, we could be drive we could be in a in line at the supermarket and we eavesdrop or if i eavesdrop on a conversation by accident, one sentence of it could be the start of a song or a, a billboard or uh, a line a character says in the movie, or someone I meet at the gas station you know that everywhere there are so many stories that I feel like deserve to get told. So I don't know if that's a, a, a too general theme, but uh, these are the stories, these are the 10 stories that, that I've curated, stories that touched my heart that I felt like deserved to have a voice.
0: Yes, that actually, thank you. Because um, I was looking for a theme and I'm like, well, I they cannot be all autobiographical because no. well, you could be, I suppose. You'd be a very complex person, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know you are. Uh, in, in, but uh, all the different storylines that that's like well, they're really fascinating and compelling stories. Um, you know, we started with uh, pian- a paper piano, which is probably my favorite. Uh, oh,
1: yay!
0: It really yay. is. I think with the uh, you know so many women specifically, Mm -hmm. but men do it too. You fall into this, well, I'm doing what I'm doing because I should do it. And you follow all the rules. And that doesn't always turn out so great for you. And this, uh, you know, singer of the song, uh, Paper Piano, you know, her story is is, uh, kind of freeing that she found that freedom to uh, express herself that was pretty much squelched
1: in you know, I'm, I'm so excited that you, that you mentioned that song because that song is very, very special to Max and I because that song is the life story of his grandmother.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So that, that is, we were at breakfast, you know, early on in our relationship. We were at breakfast one day and he started telling me this story about his grandmother and he said, you know, my, my Oma married this guy who hated music and she, her biggest dream in life was to be a classical pianist. Mm. And she had to practice, he hated all music except for military music. So what she did was her whole life, 50 years of marriage, she practiced on a piece of paper that she kept rolled up in her closet and she could only hear the music inside her head. And the day that he died, the day that he died, she went out and bought, she was an old woman, she went out and bought a baby grand. (laughs) Okay. That's the, the
0: fact that that ties into something so close and personal to you and your husband. Just I, like I'm kind of losing it here. That's super cool oh. um, in a very way. You talk about touching, folks. Girl, you just touched me. All right. Oh my god. I'm not going to oh, get sorry. all clipped on the air because it really embarrasses Deb. <laughs> oh no. Oh, <laughs> but no, it, it's it's a oh, wow. Yeah, the song, the song and story in of itself, and then to find that out. Thank you for sharing that. And um. Oh. That's a beautiful song. Um, we also... <laughs> let's oh switch gears before I get to. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> um We also then played uh, 15 Spirits, kind of like on the flip side of being touching. That's very dramatic. And uh, I'm curious about... So it's a very graphic uh, description yeah. of, of street violence and um, yeah. killing and senseless violence, from what I understand. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It would, Did that come from a specific... A series of events. I mean, you could you could transpose that into really any one week period in America, for goodness' yeah, that's
1: sake. That's exactly right. That's exactly. Uh, sadly right. enough. <laughs> uh. Yeah it 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 very much uh, it very much came out of the period of of George Floyd and of the violence around what it is to be a black man or a black person in this country mm-hmm. and. Um, the demon of racism and the demon of specifically of police violence against people of color and what it is to, to have a target on you based on your melanin. Uh, When you walk down the street and which is something that as a white person, I can't possibly understand. Um, but that as an artist, we, we witness and we hold mirrors up. We don't necessarily have answers as artists, but we do have the ability to, pick up a big old mirror and reflect it outwards yeah
0: well, well and done that's thank you so much well done with that and especially in light of well it's just an ongoing and so so painful to yeah. witness and when yeah. we can uh, make art out of war if you will you know yeah. uh and and shine that mirror to to let people know these these well you know you did something like that in china didn't you <laughs> In China? Is it in China? That story with the, uh, was it China? Um, when you did the opera with Donald Trump and your use of oh, you use the classical <laughs> music? yes, I did. Yeah, it was in.
1: Um, that was in. Um, oh gosh,
0: in Norway. Norway, actually.
1: okay.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> then that that you was, off, yeah. it wasn't it China. If you want to tell us about that? That's a great story, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was that was a, a, a that was a, quite a quite a ride that whole that whole part of my life was doing that project was uh it was a different time let me tell you it um i this was 2016 and uh i that was a time when when uh i mean it's terrible to say but i wouldn't for my own personal safety i wouldn't make art like that today
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and had to, i actually had to take it offline because of personal safety issues whoa so, yeah yeah wow Uh, so uh, that uh, but that was that was quite a that was quite a a time in Europe where it was like it was you could you could make art that was that said something and that's that that had a a a political uh, perspective that was okay to do wow and hopefully we'll come back to a time where you know where it's artists feel safe to to say what they want to say
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I gotta gotta believe, gotta believe it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, you there was so I, I do want to give a little disclaimer of uh, a good portion of the little deeper information was some of this really really well written article uh, the noteworthy music article mm-hmm. that was what mm-hmm. February twenty one. Mm. And uh, that's kind of where I glean some of this from. And another story that I think is super fascinating is the one of your Romanian heritage. Mm. Um, if you'd care to share that.
1: Oh, happily. Yeah. Um, the story, shall, shall I jump into the one about Should, the Romanian heritage? Yes, please. So in 2017, i um, i got I got a, a text from someone on Facebook who said, are you... A relative of Philip Hershkowitz and I said well a composer from Romania and I said well we don't know for sure but I'm pretty sure I am because my father's side is from Romania and we always heard that that side was musical and so they said well if you think you might be a descendant, Philip Hershkowitz uh, he was a composer, he died with no heirs and he left his entire musical estate, all of his sheet music to the Vienna Public Library and you know we see that you're singing this Sort of music and if you'd like to come to the archives and look through it maybe you'd be interested in performing it and and taking some of the music with you uh. so i flew cold to vienna that was uh 2018 and i went into the archives and i found boxes of this yellowing old sheet music with with philip perschwitz's pencil handwriting on it mm. And I picked up this music, you know, so thin it was like that old fashioned airmail that, that people used to send. Right. And I knew in that moment, in a way that I can't explain, I knew that he was an ancestor. I just knew that there was a connection. And it was the first time i discovered I always thought I was the only musician in my family. Now it turns out that I that you know, that there's someone there's someone else, you know, I didn't right. know that I didn't come out of nowhere.
0: Yeah.
1: And and so I went on this whole journey of learning this guy's music. Who he he was studying in Vienna with Alban Berg and Webern, who were the two leading twelve um, tone composers at the time in Wien. And he was kind of in the creme de la creme of society. And the Nazis came, and they, and, and he had to flee. And he fled to Russia, which was not a great choice on his end, <laughs> in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Or the perfect one, if you think about it in terms of destiny. But he was blacklisted by the Soviets because he was teaching serialism and any music that wasn't, um, you know, kind of Russian state-approved was considered propaganda. So mm. he was forbidden to teach at the conservatory, and he went on to teach a whole generation of Russian musicians out of his living room. Wow! And now I'm, and then they handed me a, a book a, a, that his that his widow. Uh, together and there are all these photos of him as a young man and the guy's like the spitting image of my father spitting image of my uh, uncles and wow. even so, some people's opinion the spitting image of me you can see yourself so it was like discovering this 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 legacy that I, I that i never knew that i had and it was a really moving and we wound up giving a concert in vienna with elizabeth leonskaya who's a legendary pianist from russia who is his student. And we went on the radio, which was really moving too, because that Vienna was the city he got chased out of by the Nazis, and then to come back and perform his music for the first time uh-huh. in the city that he got chased out of on the on the you know on the state radio on the public radio was really really meaningful, Very
0: really powerful, uh, really can, wow. And to have that, yeah. I don't know, that had to have been so empowering and fulfilling, gratifying. I can't even imagine the words. You personally to make those connections and then to be able to perform it live. thats just a better story yeah. than I read. <laughs>
1: it, was, it was kind of you know. Sometimes in life you wonder why you're doing stuff and what the point of everything is. And you think I'm here. I'm living on a continent far from where I'm from, traveling from city to city, living out of a suitcase. And why? What? It's not that you don't love music, but is there some meaning behind it all? Is there some bigger meaning mm-hmm. to why I'm living this life? And if finding Philip was a little bit like, maybe this is some part of healing the family line. Maybe this is some part of finding, I don't know, healing some kind of musical legacy family trauma back yeah, there. That,
0: yeah. There are reasons for things, even if we don't see them at that moment. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I Again, I, that. I, there's other stories, but I do want to uh, make sure that we get our other programmer on here soon. Um, I want to make sure that you know, uh, I, acknowledge and appreciate, uh, the quote that I read there, um, kind of your, uh, credo, if you will. Mm-hmm. They say, mostly I try to lift, uplift people and make the world a sparklier place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have chosen ocean, ocean child to close out our program because I think it's a really sparkly message. Is oh, uh, okay. that what was the story behind Ocean Child? And then we'll uh, make sure folks know how to reach you. And then we'll close out. So Ocean absolutely. Child,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So, so I was saying that before that, that that most of my songs are not autobiographical, and that it, I'm basically a storyteller, and I, I I create characters, and I try to give them a voice. Ocean Child is one of the exceptions for that. That's that's very much and that's very much my story. That song. And uh, I I grew up steps from the Pacific Ocean, like so close that my bedroom window, if I opened it at night, I could hear the waves. Mm. And when I moved, I I took the ocean for granted. Like I I lived my whole life steps from the beach, Venice Beach, California. And I took it for granted kind of the way like a teenager would take their mother for granted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't until I left and, and was living in Germany and, and, and more landlocked. Until I, I, had this deep ache and homesickness for the ocean. And there were times when I was really lonely and not sure if I was on the right path, and uh, just overwhelmed by uh, mm-hmm. life in some ways. And I would think about the ocean, and I would imagine her, and I would imagine what if the ocean, if the ocean could speak to me, I would imagine what she would, what she would say to me in this moment. As our, in a way, as our mother, like a the ocean as as mama.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can really and hear that encouragement like, in that song yeah. and hope.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. That was what I, 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 I was feeling like. What would I? What my younger self. Um, needed actually and that younger self is
0: still a part no matter how old you get right that's right so. that's right gotta keep taking care of her don't we <laughs> yeah that's
1: right
0: yeah exactly yeah oh miss sarah shallow right it's just been such a pleasure i want to thank you again i want Shiloh, to make this, sure this folks so beautiful. <laughs> it's uh well you know i
1: it's
0: an honor. Uh, yeah we uh we make sure that folks know how to get a hold of you and follow you and connect socials Absolutely. website all that they
1: can't they can connect through Instagram. It's uh, Sarah Shyleray or Facebook. and Or if they want to drop me a note or have a question or a comment, I love hearing from people. Um, I have a website and there's an email address right through the website that you can drop me a line.
0: Very cool. Uh, also, for those of you who are interested in these very, very beautiful stories of uh, their debut album with Bluebird Junction, the lyrics are on your website. And I love that because that's, that's, that's what you're, especially as a writer, very mm-hmm. well done. All right, Miss Sarah, let's... Uh, well,
1: thank you so much. Thanks was,
0: again, and amazing. you have a fabulous Sunday, and we're going to close out here with Ocean Child.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a fabulous Sunday.
0: Thank you, too.